do you love quizzes? I like Bible quizzes. It's kind of fun that uh, we got some cards at our house, and sometimes when we have, like Sarah and Trevor and everybody come over, we uh, pull out the Bible trivia cards and just say, okay, who was this or who was that? It's kind of fun. Bible quizzes, some of them are hard, some of them are easy. You know, we bought some. I bought some in the past that really are so easy. It, you know, they're too easy. And then some of them are so hard, nobody can answer them. You don't, I mean, they'll answer, you know, it'll be some question. You'll go, what? I've never even heard of that. And uh, so I got a question this morning that you, you all know, I'm sure, that this question is, is it's, it's dealing with, uh, if you, especially if you've read the life of Elijah, the question is, is how many times in the Bible is water parted? And before you answer, we all know this. We all know that the water was parted at the Red Sea, okay? Right? We all know that when Joshua and they get ready to cross the Jordan River, when the priests stand in the river, it just stops Here's a great trivia question. Does anybody know where the water stopped? It went back upstream and stopped at a town. Anybody know the name of the town? The name of the town was Adam. You won't forget it now. You'll just think, okay, Adam, I got it, I got it. Okay, then uh, how many other times do we see water being parted? Hmm? We know that, what, one more time at least? Who does it? Uh, that we're going to see it in this morning's passage. Elijah takes the coat, hits the water, and it parts. Guess what? When Elijah dropped his coat, Elisha picked it up, and Elisha go back to the Jordan River, and he hits it, and it parts. So there's four times in the Bible that the water is parted, and we're going to see two of them in our passage, not we won't see the whole thing this morning, but we'll see some of that. It's a lot of fun. Uh, four times in the Word of God that does this. As we uh, we're looking at the passing of the prophetic torch, the departure of Elijah and the beginning of Elisha's ministry. I mean, you got to be careful because the names sound so alike. And when you look at this, listen. If you start looking at the prophets in the Bible, and there are a lot of prophetic books. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Joel. You know, those guys are all prophets, and they all spoke to different people at different times. Elijah and Elisha did not write books in the Bible at all, but they spoke to a particular time. And so that's why these two are unique above the others, because they didn't write a book. I mean, when you say Isaiah, he wrote a book. When you say Jeremiah, he wrote a book. Ezekiel, a book. Daniel, there are all these books. But Elijah and Elisha did not write uh, we'll just see how this ties together. In this section, we're going to see one of the most spectacular events of the Bible, and that's when the flaming chariot comes down to remove Elijah and make ready for the ministry of Elisha. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. So I think we're going to we're going to see how the let, let's let me give you sort of the outline of this section. We won't get the whole thing today, but we're going to see Elijah is to be removed, the parting of the river, Elisha's request, the flaming chariot and the beginning of Elisha's ministry. So it's going to take us this week and next week to finish up Elijah. And when we do that, then we're going to start with Elisha. And I want you to know that I've taught Elijah before. I've never taught Elisha, not, not going to each of these events. So I've already, I'm, I'm up to lesson three already. I'm figuring at the most there'll be 10 lessons, at the most. And, and there's, as I said a while ago, he does at least 15 miracles. And one of the miracles is after he's dead. So, I mean, it's going to be pretty interesting as we look at his life as well. So, let's get it. Let's start Second uh, Kings chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. We're going to see basically the last day of 
Elijah. Okay, let's see it. And it came about that when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Now, it came about, it just so happens, the writer's giving us the details. He's telling us that God is about to remove Elijah. And notice how it says it. The Lord was about to take up, and it actually says, by a whirlwind to heaven. Now, we don't know enough. Info. What, what do you mean a whirlwind? Is it like a tornado going to come through and pick him up? We're going to know that it's going to look like a what? It's look like a, a chariot that's on fire. A flaming chariot is going to come out of the sky and like a whirlwind and pick him up and take him off. That's what's going to happen. And we don't know all that right now. All we know here is it says a whirlwind to heaven. Realize these events are based on the sovereign plan of God. It's now time that Elijah's ministry is over. And God is in control. I, I want you to think about this. God's in control of all our lives. And the length of our lives, the breadth of our lives, what, what's he going to do in our lives? What's, what's going on? How long are we going to live? Where are we going to live? Where are we going to do things? I always, I always say something like this. Wherever you are, it's like the book of Esther, that you're there for such a time as this. This is where God has you. At this time, in this place, in this world, at this time. You're not at the time of Jesus. You're not at the time of Paul. You're not at the time of Samson. You're not at the time of Samuel. You're, you're not at the time of the, the, the dark ages. You're not at the time of the Reformation. You're, you're now. This is when he has us living. And so we need to think about that. So this is the time that God is about to take up Elijah. He decides the ministries, the gifts, the talents, and all of those kind of things. Now, I want you to read it again. It says, it came about that when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by whirlwind to where? To where? To heaven. That Elijah went from Elisha to heaven. What do you think of when you think of heaven? When you really study it, heaven is almost always plural. God created the heavens and the earth. He didn't say he created the heaven and the earth. He created the heavens and the earth. And when he makes a new heavens and new earth, and when you think about it, heavens is, all, is plural. It's not always plural. What do we mean heavens? Because we say, do you want, we ask people things like, do you want to go to heaven when you die? Everybody says, oh yeah, I want to go to heaven. What about the kingdom? You want to go there? Yeah, well, how, how do, yeah, where's that? How's that? You know, what about the eternal state? What about the new Jerusalem? Is the new Jerusalem heaven? Is the, is the kingdom on this earth heaven? What is heaven? When you think about it, there are three abodes, as you are, three heavens that are listed in the Bible. Paul said he was caught up into the third heaven. First heaven seems to be the atmosphere of our earth. The second heaven seems to be the abode where the angels live. And then the third heaven is where God is. And, and some angels can go before him there. We know that. And so it seems to be that there are three different heavens. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I was caught up into the third heaven and I saw things that he, that he said God would not let him write down. He saw things that God would not let him write down. I think, I'll be honest with you, what I think is, I think the things that Paul saw was probably the same things that John saw later and God let John write it down. That's, I'm just guessing. No, but that's, that's just me thinking out loud. But anyway, so what is all this? Well, think about this. Okay, here we are, and we're in the church age. If you die, your body goes in the grave, and to be absent from the body is what? Where's, where's Jesus right now? He's in the third heaven, seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. And we are going to be with him to be absent from the bodies, to be present with him. So that's up there. We know that one of these days, Jesus Christ is going to come back and set up a kingdom. Uh, we as the church are going to be raptured out and we're going to come back with him and, and he's going to set up the kingdom. So this is heaven and this is the earth and we're going to be on the earth for a thousand years and then what's he going to do? 
He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth, a new heavens and a new earth. And so when people say, I hope I go to heaven, well, the truth is we'll be in heaven a short time when you look at it biblically, because the, the if you died right now, you'd be with the Lord, and then when the Lord came and got the uh, church age, then we'd be with him then, and then after seven years, he comes back, set up a kingdom. So most of the time that when we think about eternity, it's not going to be in heaven or the heavens. It's going to be on the earth. It's going to either be this earth for a thousand years or a new heavens and a new earth and the new Jerusalem for all eternity. So when people talk about that, but it says that Elijah is going to be taken uh, whirlwind to heaven. So I just wanted you to see that. Now, notice this. It says that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And, and it's time to go. Gilgal, uh, they're, they're heading, I think they're, they're going to be heading to Bethel, uh, which is another little town. I should have put a map up, but they're just going from city to city. And I want you to see this. Think about this. You're Elijah, and, and I think you know this is your last day. And he actually doesn't want Elisha with him. I mean, when I say doesn't want, he's saying, you don't need to be there. You don't need to see this. You don't need this. But Elisha says, no, I ain't. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. You know, I, I, I think I'm supposed to be with you. If you remember back in 1 Kings 19, Elijah already anointed Elisha as a prophet to take his place. Do you remember that? Do you remember when Elijah had all the, all the depression and God came to him and said, I want you to do this. You've got plenty of things to do. You're going to go anoint Jehu. You're going to go anoint this other guy, Hazel. And you're going to anoint Elisha to take your place as the prophet. And if you remember in 1 Kings 19, 19, that was the mantle. And notice what it says. So he departed from there and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphath, while he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he with the 12, and Elijah came over to him and threw his cloak on him. Throwing the cloak on him was saying, you're a prophet. You're next. And so we could say, wow, that, that's pretty special. And you could say, well, good gracious, why, why isn't he a prophet now if already back in chapter 19 that he threw the mantle over him? Well, just because he's anointed as the prophet doesn't mean he serves as a prophet yet. Do you ever think about this? Uh, David was anointed as king when? How old was he? Maybe 14? When did he become king? Do you know when he actually became king? When he was 30 years old, he became king over Israel. So he, he waited 15 years. You remember, he's running from, we'll see it on, on Sunday mornings in First and Second Samuel, where he's running from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. He's running from Saul. What about Moses? Moses was, knew from the, his mom and daddy knew from the day he was born that he was unique and that God was going to use him. And they told him that God is going to use you to take the nation of Israel out. And when he was 40 years old, he told them, I'm supposed to take y'all out of this place. And they just looked at him and he killed him in. He had to run. 40 years passed. He's 80 years old when God sends him back. So sometimes it doesn't happen just that. Think about Christ. Born in Bethlehem, outside, in a feed trough. Does that look like the Savior of the world? It doesn't. And, and the next thing you know, he's 12 years old. And then the next thing you know, he's 30 years old and he starts his ministry. And now look at Elisha. Elisha was anointed by Elijah earlier, but he's not a prophet yet. He, he hadn't got his position yet. And so here's Elijah, Elisha with him. And, it, you know, Elijah is probably going, well, you could just stay here. And he goes, no, I don't want to stay here. Well, you could. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to Bethel. Okay, well, I'm going with you. Okay, so that's what they're going to do. Watch what happens. Verse 2, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, 
For the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. I was supposed to go to Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So what did they do? They went to Bethel. I want you to think about this. This is the passing of the torch. And when you think about it, we always say things like, wow, you know, this was, David got anointed as king and Elisha is now going to be a new prophet. But think about this. God's plan is that everything goes through God's people and what do we have to do? We have to keep passing it on. Have you thought about that? Who's coming after us? I mean, some of them are over there and over there, aren't they? Aren't we passing it on? Who are we passing it on? Who are your kids? Who are we passing this stuff on to? In fact, we have to be in the process of passing God's truth on to others to carry on God's work on the earth. Just like Elijah passed it on to Elisha, we have to do the same thing. And it's called discipleship. 2 Timothy 2.2, Ezra 7.10. We take what we know and we pass it on and so people can know it, can apply it, and teach it. That's the plan. And so the question I always ask people that is really kind of a hard one, but who are you discipling? Who are you taking what you know and passing it on to the next generation who's going to be able to come and take other people through the same thing? That's what Second Timothy says. He says, Paul says, take the things I've taught you in the presence of many witnesses and trust this to faithful believers who will be able to teach others also. So Paul says, Timothy, I taught you, you teach others, they teach others. So who are you passing it on to? Just like Elijah passes it on to Elisha, we need to be doing the same thing. I I read a quote by a guy by the name of Herb Vanderblatt, and he said, there are many who confess Jesus Christ, but they're so conformed to the world, they neither impress or offend anyone. (laughs) What we're supposed to do is pass it on. You know that Elijah knows it's his last day. He knows it. So he says to Elisha, just stay right here. I'm, uh, you know, I've got to go as far as Bethel. But he says, no, 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 no. And I like this. He said, no, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you. So he said, okay. So they get to Bethel. When they get to Bethel, and, and, and by the way, you know, and that's a friend, isn't it? A friend's, a friend's with you. A friend's with you no matter whether it's going good or well and bad. I mean, I, you know, the, the truth is some people are your friend until something goes wrong. And then they're not your friend. And you say, what happened to them? And then there's some people who a friend, is, a friend is a friend who sticks closer than a one, than a brother. They're right there. There's some people in your life that no matter what happens, they will be with you. And there'll be other people in your life that you think are your friends. And when something happens, you won't see them again. Elijah and Elisha are friends, and Elisha is not going to leave. Well, look what happens. Uh, it says... Um, uh, verse 3, then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you, not, do you know that the Lord's going to take your master away from you over today? He's going to take you. And he said, yeah, I know. Just be, be, be quiet about it. Understand that there was this school of prophets. And when you see that, what does that mean? It doesn't mean they were training to be prophets, that they were going to get anointing from God and be like Elijah and Elisha. The prophets, that word meant to proclaim ideas. And so he's training them to teach the Bible. That's what he's doing. It's like a little seminary. It's called the School of Prophets, and he's actually training these men. And so it's like a Bible college or a seminary. And so look what happened. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? No, over you. I want you to understand that's a dual aspect. Not only over you like I'm over you, but over you in the sense that he's been your authority. You're fixing to be the authority. 
Or maybe, we don't know for sure if he is. We think he is. And this is, by the way, when you think about the school of prophets and everything that goes on, think of this is the purpose of the church, to train and equip believers. We just talked about it. Equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, build up the body of Christ. That's Ephesians 4.12, 2 Timothy 2.2. We quoted that as well. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so if you look at the life of Elijah, he's training Elisha and the school of the prophets. He's training these people to carry on the truths. And that's what we're supposed to do for each other, to train each other to carry on the truths. That's what we've got to do. So they say to, they say to him, don't you realize, don't you realize the Lord's going to take your master? He's going to be over you. He's going to be lifted up. He's going to be gone. Apparently, God had given the word to the prophets. The school of prophets got the word that Elijah was leaving. And they come out and they say to Elisha, do you know he's leaving? And Elisha goes, I, I know he's leaving. Just don't talk about it. Because look what he says. Yeah, yeah, at the end of verse 3. Yeah, he said, yeah, I know. Be still, which means be quiet. He said, don't, I don't want to talk about it. I mean, if, if somebody you loved was gone, was going to leave him that day, would you want to talk about it? Not necessarily, especially how close they've been since, since that time of Elijah's depression. And so look what happens. So uh, Elijah then says... Uh, he said to Elisha, look, just stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. Now, where did the Lord send him first? They were at Gilgal, and the Lord sent him to Bethel. Now the Lord sent him to Bethel, and he sent him to Jericho. So he says, Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord sends me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. So he said, listen, I'm going to Jericho. And he said, no, no, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going with you to Jericho. So they left Gilgal, and they went to Bethel. They left Bethel, and they go to Jericho. Guess what's at Jericho? Another school of the prophets. He's got places all over. Who's training these people? Who do you think is training these people? Elijah is training these people. That's who's doing it. Why? They all know him. They all know him. They call him the master of Elisha. That's how they, they do it. So they get there, and, and uh, uh, in verse 5, it says, The sons of the prophets, they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? It's exactly the same thing the other group said. He said, Yes, I know. What did he say to them? Be quiet. Be quiet. He said, I don't want to talk about it. I don't, I don't really want to talk about it. You know? And you wouldn't either. And then it goes on to say, Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. He sent me to the river. So from Gilgal to Bethel, from Bethel, they moved down to, you know, and then from, uh, from Jericho on to the Jordan River. And he says, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. You can almost, uh, he said, uh, Stay here, I'm going to the Jordan. You can almost see, Elijah saying, I don't think I'm going to get rid of him. I mean, everywhere I go, he wants to be there. And that's, that's important. And, that, and that's the way it is in our lives. That when you, when you disciple somebody and they care about you and you care about them, they don't want to leave. And I think it's important. So watch what happens. So verse 7. Now, 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now, 50 of these boys, men, training for the ministry, have come out, and they're watching two prophets, Elijah and Elisha, and they're watching them as they stood at a distance from the Jordan. So 50 men go out, and they follow, and they're looking out at a distance. Can you, what do you think they're saying? I wonder, what the, wonder what's going to happen. wonder what's going to happen. They know 
They've been told somehow by God that Elijah is going to be taken away today. And they, they don't know whether he's going to die, just die physically. They don't know whether God's going to do something. They, they don't know. In fact, nobody knows. So they came to the Jordan River, verse 8. Elijah took his mantle and folded it. That's, the, that's his coat-like thing. He took his mantle, folded it together, and struck the waters, and they were divided here and there so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. The, the mantle, that was the cloak. And notice the water was divided. He hits the water and the water's divided. Let, let me remind you of something. Every time God parts the water, it's not like the water just stopped and then they're going, oh, this is really muddy, right? I mean, we got, right, because there was water here just a second ago. What does it say every time? It's dry land. When the nation of Israel crossed over the Jordan River to go into the promised land, as soon as the priest's feet touched the water, it stopped, and they went on dry land. When the nation of Israel came out of Egypt and he parted the waters, remember the waters were a wall of water on both sides. They went on what? Dry land. When he crosses over here, they go on dry land. You can see them going, man, I'm getting my sandals really muddy. They're not. It's dry land. I mean, think of the miracle. The miracle didn't just that he stopped the water. The miracle is dry. There's a study. I'm going to throw this out because I've got just a minute. There's a study where Jesus walks on the water. Do you remember that part in in Matthew? And it's in two or three of the Gospels. But you have to put three Gospels together to get the whole story. There's actually four miracles. One is Jesus walks on the water. Peter walks on the water. Jesus gets in the boat and calms the storm. And then it says, immediately. Now, at this point, they're not even halfway across the Sea of Galilee. It said, immediately, they were at shore. Four miracles. Most people never read that. In fact, only one of the Gospels says they were immediately at the shore. When God does a miracle, He does a miracle, right? He does a miracle. It's, 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 uh, it's an amazing thing. I'm going I'm to give you a quote in just a minute before we break to go to, to the things. But the water's divided. Look, look at this. Let's think about miracles. Think about the power of God to calm the sea. All Jesus did was say, peace, peace be still. And this giant storm, it's, it's over. You remember the, there were two different times he calms the storm. One of them, he's... he's in the back of the boat with asleep on a cushion, as it says. Do you understand that if you read the passage, there's a whole bunch of boats out there with him. They're all following him. They're following him to the other side. They're all caught in the storm too. And if you read the Gospels, one of them says when Jesus wakes up and calms the storm, he says, O ye of little faith. And then he says in one of the other Gospels, he says, O ye of no faith. Calm the waters. He parted the waters. Wow. He stopped the sun. Y'all know he stopped the sun? He stopped the sun. It was in a battle. And they were winning. And so they stopped, they stopped the sun. He stopped the rain. For how long? Elijah, three and a half years, flooded the earth. Listen, don't read the Genesis account and think that there was a local flood there. Because God makes a promise that says, I will never again do what I've done and flood the world. There have been local floods all the time. This was a flood that said covered every mountain in the world. So when God does a miracle, he does a miracle. I have to, I have to read this to you. 
Larry King before he died. This has been some years back. He was interviewing this woman who was a new, you know what New Age is. New Age is all the weird stuff. And she taught this course on miracles at a college on miracles. And so he asked her, what exactly is a miracle? And here's what she said. She said, a miracle is when a person is able to get in touch with themselves and change from being selfish to loving others. No, that's not a miracle. That's stupid. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That's not a miracle. What is a miracle? A miracle is when God changes the laws of nature. It's when he takes water and parts it and makes dry land and raises people from the dead and feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. That's what a miracle is. And, and, and miracles are exceptions to the rules. They're, they, you know, they're, they're, they're amazing. And, you know, sometimes we say, boy, that was, that was a really a miracle. I say, well, I don't know if it was a miracle. It was really good. But I'm not sure God changed the laws of nature there for us. You know, it was a miracle my pipe didn't burst. Well, no, it wasn't a miracle. It was just really fortunate, you know. So, miracles, powerful. Next time, we see the final event. And, and I want to say it this way, the final event in the life of Elijah, but I can't really say the life of Elijah because life of Elijah, he doesn't die. So his life doesn't end. Of course, the truth is this. When you die, does your life end? Does your life end? No. To be absent from the body is to be where? Listen, there's death. Death's not the end. Jesus Christ has already conquered death. Not only did he pay for all sin for every human being, he conquered death for every human being. Every human being is going to be raised from the dead bodily. Every human being, believers and unbelievers. But for us, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So that's never the end. Elijah, Elijah just, it was different. He got scooped down by something, you know. So what do we see? The word came to Elijah that he'd be taken, and Elisha's traveled with him, and we're going to see it. Let me give you some quick applications. Let's be faithful servants of God. Think about it. Let's be faithful to pass on God's truth, because that's what Elijah was doing. He was passing on. He was the prophet, and he was proclaiming the word of God, because that's what he's faithful to pass on, the, the truths of the Bible. And we must pass on the truths of the word of God. And you know what? If you're going to do that, you know what you got to know? You got to know the Bible. Yeah, you can't talk, you can't pass on something you don't know. That's why the 2 2 is fun and the 4 12 is fun and our classes are fun and people ought to be taking them and things like that because you can learn things and get ready to take what you know and pass it on to somebody else. The second thing is let's, let's invest in the lives of fellow believers. That's what we're supposed to do because that's, that's what 2 Timothy says. Take what we've been taught and pass it on to others so they can teach others. That's what Elijah was doing, the school of prophets. Think about it. There were at least two cities that we see, you know, there, uh, you know, Jericho. Uh, there, there were school of prophets there. At least 50 of them, 50 of them came out to watch what was happening. They saw the river part. Can you imagine that? Can you see them go, man, can you believe that? What kind of jacket is that that he's got, you know? You know, it parts the water. Yeah. <laughs> you can see them saying, I got to get me one of those, right? That, that could really do something.